We're back, finally, after a long break. A long winter. Yeah, so now it is officially spring, despite there being snow on the ground and gray in the sky. <laughs> and nothing's really changed since the last time we recorded it, I'm sure. <laughs> Might have even been warmer the last yeah. time in whenever January or so, during our uh, New Year's resolutions for each other. And uh, how are those going? Well, I have not finished the series yet, but I'm working on it. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. How about you? Have you been... I started do. I looked at the Creative Bug stuff. I started doing stuff because I was drawing before, and then I took some Creative Bug lessons and did some of that, but then I fell off, so I haven't really... Yeah. stuck to my guns on that but there's still eight months left so I still have a whole year to to do it oh yeah oh was it eight months mean, we or the I mean, whole year we have to make the I like it if you if you think you have to have that much time then that's fine yeah I'm averaging about but uh six more months than but about <laughs> you know to pick up a new skill like drawing or something it's gonna be a life longer until I give up or something I started drawing birds. It's fun. Mm-hmm. I got a book um, through Interlibrary Loan. Is it like How to Draw Birds? Yeah, it's like 50 birds. One, I got two of them. One was really intense. Like, you needed to like learn about birds in order to like, you know, draw the proper way their feathers blow in the wind. That was mm-hmm. too much for me. But then there was one that was just. Yeah. Um, is it one of those art books, which is like step one, step yeah. two, step three, and then the last step is like it's done. It's like, what happened in between? Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> the last one is like all shaded yeah, and beautiful. Like, uh, but I was, pretty impre- I was pretty impressed. I drew a Canada goose and a, and a quail. Mm-hmm. It was fun. And I, I tried to do the, um, I started the creative bug. They have like a 30-day like you explore a different kind of modern art every day so like one day could be collage and and um another one could be like abstract shapes and um i'm liking that although i was tempted to quit once because my son was doing it with me and his was much better than mine (laughs) i got downhearted but yeah but those kids that's what they do in school they do art projects all the time even if it's not art they just draw and color and do stuff Sell it my back kid to was me. like doing something. I'm like, huh? I don't know how you learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm like, I don't know how they learn how to do anything. Like just watching someone in kindergarten. I'm like, I don't know. How, I don't remember how I learned. It's such a long time ago. But yeah, it's just crazy to watch. I'm like, you didn't know how to write. Now you do. You and the leaps read. in reading too. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that's wild to watch. Yeah, mm-hmm. teachers are great. Yeah, I don't know how they do it. Especially those kindergarten ones, you're like, oh, you're dealing with a bunch of five-year-olds and managing a whole classroom of basically... Chaos. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can barely handle two of them at a time at my house, let alone like 20 or so. Yeah, and try to teach them something. Mm -hmm. So is there anything else you've been up to this past couple months? Um, I've been reading a lot. I hit a reading streak. So I think last time we talked, 
I couldn't get in it anything or I was kind of just reading what it what we were doing for book for my book clubs and um, not getting in much more but um, now I'm in a sort of different place where I'm reading like five books at once just kind of like I have like five books and like ones by my bed and ones downstairs and <laughs> ones at work with me and I just whichever one's closest to me I pick up and read um, but my book club read its first graphic novel uh, which was really great and really interesting discussion we read a book called Belonging by Nora Krug and it's like a scrapbook style she has real pictures and her artwork and obviously words and it's a, um, she's German, now German-American, and it's sort of about how Germany talks about World War II and how she dives into her grandparents and great-grandparents and their involvement in World War II and the, um, the guilt associated with it, and the, um, it was just a really interesting read. So is this sort of like a graphic memoir, kind of? Yeah, okay. yeah. She went back to Germany, and um, so she kind of does the history of the towns that her parents grew up in, and her town. Mm -hmm. and so was she born in Germany, or yeah. was she born here? Okay. Yeah. She was born in Germany, and she lived right next to like a military, an American military base. Mm -hmm. So she's like, she's like our age, so she's okay. in the 80s. Um, and then I read um, the Sharon Stone memoir, which was surprisingly very good mm. the beauty of living twice she had like a stroke a couple weeks after september 11th and mm -hmm. had to kind of work her way back from that and I don't know, i've been reading a ton i'm reading a book called pure color by sheila hetty which is good so far and then i've been listening to a ton of audiobooks on Libby and Hoopla, which I love because I listen to like lighter books, like I'm reading a Nick Hornby book and a Sarah Addison Allen book, just listening, and you can like crank it up to one and a half speed. Yeah. And that's what some people do for podcasts and stuff. Yeah, maybe really, right now. <laughs> maybe. <clears throat> I mean, for sure, I definitely talk really slow, mm -hmm. so. But I never really got into that, because whenever I do it, like, you can just tell that it's just manufactured. Like, for me, it's like, this is wrong. Like I can tell there's something off about it. Yeah. Despite obviously being able to get through it faster, it just sounds weird with that being sped up. I think 1.2 speed is the mm -hmm. the one for me where like they're the dramatic pauses are cut out, mm -hmm. but they don't sound like they're like speed reading. Speed reading. Yeah. <clears throat> and women, I feel like the women audiobook readers tend to talk slower, so um, I, in that Nick Hornby book I read it was called Just Like You and it was like a he writes like I mean he wrote High Fidelity so they're like unromantic romances kind of but mm -hmm. it was written in you know switched perspectives from the man and the woman mm -hmm. so when the man was reading that did sound a bit like he was speed reading especially with the British accent yeah because my wife was going through the Harry Potter books again and she's doing it on audio and it just seems like the guy's just talking really slow. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know how you can get through this. Yeah. Obviously she's read 
the books like a million times, so it's not like she knows, yeah. she knows anything, but just sort of just seems like so slow and it's just weird because I think, I feel like I've overheard some of her audiobooks and some of the narrators actually do voices for like the characters and stuff and it just, just seems so weird to just have someone reading. It's like, oh, and then Hermione said, you know, just keeps talking like nothing. It's different. It's like, yeah. Like that just seems weird. Even in a British accent, I'm like, I don't know if this is working for me. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it's hard. You could love a book, and then, but the audio can totally turn you yeah. off. Yeah. I think the opposite could be true, too. Like, a book can be, like, okay, but the audio book elevates it. Yep. Like, World yep. War Z was, apparently was like that. Because every character had a different narrator. I think they were, like, actually famous people, too. So that's always a sticking point for voice actors when they get, like actors to do voices yeah but it was interesting because that book is set up like a apocalypse like retrospect so it's like seven or eight characters talking about the experience and all that stuff and it's like seven or eight different people reading it they Um, did that with the um i'm gonna look up the name that um george sanders saunders book about um uh lincoln lincoln on the bardo yes lincoln on the bardo and so that book takes place with like the ghost of Lincoln's son that died is in the graveyard and so there are all these a ton of different ghosts and they have like 20 narrators or something to play mm-hmm. all the different ghosts and, and like Nick Offerman and his wife um, what's her Megan name? Mullally. Megan Mullally are yeah so that was that was a fun read but that was it was hard to listen to and when they're famous people too you're going like who is that yeah. I know that voice like when you're watching a cartoon with your kids and you're like who yeah. I didn't realize till we watched the Oscars that John Leguizamo was Bruno's voice oh yeah yeah and even though he has such a recognizable voice mm-hmm. yeah so I heard that I, the Daisy Jones and the Six audiobook was like that too like each oh, member of yeah. the I read of the that. band was like a different character like a voice yeah um, I guess you know certain books just lend themselves much better to that style, I mm-hmm. guess I would imagine why like a publisher or something wouldn't take advantage of that. Like if it's clearly shown from different perspectives and stories, like why would you not hire extra people to yeah. to do it? Especially if it's like a book that's making money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A book with a bigger budget. I feel like they wouldn't even pay that much extra because like it's just time. So it's like instead of paying one person. X, they just pay five people Y. Yeah. yeah. Like, it just feel like it would even out and it would give more buzz to the book. I wonder how professional voice actors feel about celebrities getting in on... I think they don't like it because yeah. it's a different skill set those voice actors have. Like, and a much different skill. Like, they're... Like, a lot of those voice actors, like, you know, they're not taking the other job. Like, they're traditional actors' jobs. Like, how many jobs did Will Arnett take from people whose only job is voice acting? He yeah, took it all. I think it's just, I don't know, I think, you know, people like that, they just want to make a splash. It's like, we got this cool person to read this book or play this character in this video game or cartoon. It's like, okay, most people don't care, Yeah. I think. But the people that do care are the people that, you know, do that for a living train themselves to do that my sister when I was a kid took me to I grew up near Midland so they have the Center for the Arts 
and the woman who did the voice of Belle from Beauty and the Beast, which was my favorite Disney movie, did a concert. And I was like floored to hear that voice because mm-hmm. I watched that movie 800 times yeah. come out of like a human. That was a good, mm-hmm. fun experience. It is. It's always weird to see voice actors doing the voices without the reference point. Yeah. Like when you see Seth MacFarlane do the Family Guy voices just like on a talk show, you're like, that's that's weird. I just saw a picture of the woman who does Bart Simpson's voice because we were talking about Scientologists yesterday and I looked mm-hmm. up a list of celebrities you didn't know were Scientologists and she's one. Yeah, Nancy Cartwright. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And those guys, those Simpsons, those that they make bank. I bet the, it's, they've been doing it for. They've been doing it for so long. That's that's just crazy that that show's even still on. Um, you know, animation's not cheap to begin with, and then like the voice actors' salaries are like five million probably. Even if they like, only get a small raise every year, they've been on for yeah. thirty years or whatever. Yeah, I think they did take a pay cut recently just because they were like you guys are making too much and it's getting too much and they're like okay so they went from like maybe 700,000 an episode to like oh, oh we're God. only making like $400,000 an episode now or something so it's like they gotta That's start it's saving for retirement I guess I'm gonna start practicing my voice acting yeah, you could uh in second career <laughs> um I did I have a I have a question for you because Mm -hmm. I started that Pure Color book by Sheila Hetty. I don't know how to say her last name. And it's a sort of fantastical book where you really got to like trust the author. Mm -hmm. So my question is like, is there an author or a couple authors for you that you know when you read their book, you like trust yourself in their hands? Like... Because sometimes you read a book and you're like, am I supposed to not know what's going on right now? Or am I missing something? Uh, and you feel kind yeah. of confused. I think it's, I think it's, because I've never, that author doesn't sound familiar. So I think, you know, there's certain authors that build up goodwill. And that takes a long time. Like Kurt Vonnegut is probably my favorite author. And he, his stories are not very straightforward. But you just, like, you I know just, he's going to show yeah, you the way. Like the journey is sometimes more important than the destination. And I guess that's sort of what you rather look, what are you looking for in a book? Like, do you want like closure or for everything to matter at the end? Or is just like the whole, you know, slippery slope, I guess, of just the plot. Yeah. And then it just ends and just like, oh, that was fine. Right. So I think, you know, someone like Kurt Vonnegut for me, like it just always like jumping around, especially as more famous books. It's just sort of like, Okay, I have no idea what, where I am right now, or what who's talking, or like, am I in the past, the present, or the future? But having read him for so long, like I'm just sort of comfortable with his style. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't happen too often because no. I typically don't like reading too many books by the same author on a regular basis. I usually try to switch it up. So I'm not really sure who else. Like for, for me. Um, it's Colson Whitehead. And there's probably some more, like, I guess, cl- classic authors or literary canon authors that could do it too, but especially in Underground Railroad, 
Mm-hmm. You just like, be, because I love to read and I like to write, sometimes when I'm reading, I get like, oh, like I wish they wouldn't have done that there. They're using that word so much or I get caught up in the technique. Mm-hmm. But I think he's such a good storyteller that you just feel totally confident that he's going to like all the plot points mm-hmm. you need to know are going to be laid out for you and like the your the story is going to you're going to be satisfied by the end of the story and you're going to yeah that's I who think. I always think of when I think of a writer that just like I'll read whatever he writes cuz I'm confident that it's going to be worthwhile yeah i mean i read a lot of jason reynolds books he does a lot of like what kid, did he write he writes a lot of kids and teen books he does like he wrote that um, track series he did, All American Boys. Uh, what else has he done? Like a long way down. Like he's got like a lot of different style. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and stuff, but like he's usually pretty good about taking you on a journey and resolving it in a satisfying way. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm more inclined to say like directors or something for movies. Like yeah, I, I feel like it's easier like in a movie. I watch that, but a lot of directors don't write their own movies, even though you can tell like their style, and like they tend to do the same kind of stuff. Like Martin Scorsese, you could tell a Martin Scorsese movie generally because who, who's in it. He always works with the same people, but it's always like character studies and big mm-hmm. drama stuff like that. But in Spielberg. You know, he's a little bit more of a wild card lately because he's just been doing some stuff that I felt like he's not as comfortable with. Like, he did, yeah, he did the West, West Side, Side Story. Story. Yeah, that was crazy. <clears throat> Which is, you know, I wouldn't have expected him to do a musical. He did, like, Ready Player One. Which, I mean, you know, maybe when he was younger, I would have expected him to yeah. do that. But as, you know, maybe as he's gotten older, I would have felt like he would have passed over something like that. Um because he's done a lot of stuff. I mean, he kind of just does a whole bunch of stuff. It's hard to really pinpoint like an exact style for him because he just sort of works so well in any genre. Yeah. Like he sort of just makes it seem like he's been doing it. For, obviously, that's why he's so good. Because mm-hmm. he's just like, oh, I, he's just good at everything. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he's properly rated. Like, I mean, I guess it's, sometimes it's like boring. You're like, but I guess if it's hard to tell a style, I mean, it's probably good. Mm-hmm. He's not trying. I feel like it's easier when we watch TV shows or movies. I feel like my husband's always like, is that the bad guy? Or like, what happened to the dead sister? I'm like, shh, you're not supposed to know yet. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they can like, um, I don't know, visual cues are easier. Yeah, than I think, when you're I think so. And I think, you know, because I watch Quentin Tarantino and he's, I mean, you can tell a Tarantino movie. If you know who that is and seen one of his movies, oh, yeah. you've basically seen them all. But he just writes in such a way. I'm just sort of like, I'll like watch someone read the dictionary. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there's just some screenwriters out there that are just really good at that. Like the Coen brothers are good at dialogue. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. So I guess you could say like more writer-directors are more inclined to do more, like watch more of their work. Yeah. Um, instead of like authors. I feel like authors, they don't, some, certain authors like aren't very prolific. Like I really like um, 1984, but George Orwell hasn't written a whole lot of like 
fiction. Like he wrote like a lot of nonfiction, like essays and stuff. Yeah. Same with like you know Brave New World. Like Huxley wrote like maybe one or two fiction books and a lot of other stuff on like psychology and stuff because he was like a professor. So it's sort of like hard to like get those characters, those authors down, especially like the older authors, because like I guess you could say they were like proper writers. Yeah. Like they just fiction was like a hobby that I probably did to pay the bills and like to do the things I actually wanted to write maybe like political theory philosophy psychology stuff like that I think there's a lot of modern day authors that you know they don't fit that descriptor anymore yeah. like they're you know they're still writers but like not in the classic sense yeah um, have you been watching anything mostly just anime still that's all I've been watching is an anime pick yeah, Kanto turning red now since that just came out. They like that movie a lot. So a lot of kids' movies and anime. And then I did watch a little bit of Murderville. Oh yeah, I watched that too. Did we talk about that last time, or were we just talking about it in recall. the office? I think we maybe just talked about it, maybe briefly. As I think I mentioned to you that it was, it should be good, but I don't remember. But we watched a little bit of that, and that that was fun. I don't think we finished it, but it was fun to just watch something like that. Yeah. Um, it's different. It's very different than anything that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always good to change it up. Because I think that's the problem with TV shows and stuff. I'm just sort of like, all this stuff is trying to be like prestige TV, and it's like not very good. Sometimes, like, yeah. Not it like, doesn't have to all be prestige TV people. Yeah, I think that's the thing. The problem is, like, I think everything's trying to be prestige TV. Or a baking competition. And it's, like, <laughs> not. Like, they're trying and failing it rather than try to do something okay and be fine with it than try to, like, do something prestige or bigger than it is. So I think that's always been a problem. Like, there's no need for everything to be a masterpiece, like... You can have like five masterpieces maybe and like everything else should just be okay yeah and then obviously there'll be things that are not good at all and people don't always want to watch i mean you can get fatigued from that you don't want to sit so. down it after you put the kids to bed and watch a masterpiece every night sometimes you just yeah want to watch a yeah. seinfeld rerun or like you know I'm, are there any good sitcoms I don't know. That's the thing. Is that it's like, I only watch I old watch, sitcoms. I don't I've watch TV, like traditional TV, so I have no idea what's really out there. But yeah, I always was partial to like this older stuff, like Parks and Rec and New Girl mm-hmm. um, and some other stuff like Community and Happy Endings. You know, just like stuff that was like maybe like at this point like 10, 15 years old now. Yeah. Like, I don't know if there's anything like new. And a lot of the comedy that comes out now is like a mixture of comedy and drama. Like it's there's no, sad too. There's yeah. really no like traditional sitcoms that seem to catch the buzz anymore. It's like more like slice of life. Like life is funny and also not funny. Yeah. And they sort of mix it together. That's what Atlanta does. That's sort of what, what Barry does. And even a lot of the other shows like what was the Z Ansari show on Netflix called? Oh. Master of None. Yeah. Like all those shows are just or just like this, you know, introspective look about someone's life or I situation. Just, so, I guess you could say maybe what we do in the shadows is like sitcomy, but not that many people watch it. I've been hearing good things about um, that Abbott Elementary. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, but yeah there's I mean, not a ton of traditional sitcoms. We just watched the new Amy Schumer. Um, is is, is like it a, a show or is it a movie? It's yet? a 10-part show, okay. and it's that as well. It's funny and sad and probably leaning heavier on the sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of the, I don't know if it's a problem, but I think a lot of stuff is like these shows are like, they're turning comedy and like obviously they're blending but comedy works better in a shorter format like 20 minute episodes and there's a lot of the stuff now that's the comedy's pushing like the 40 minute mark that dramas and stuff oh. that usually isn't comedy yeah so I think that you know a lot of stuff just to keep someone's interest that long for a comedy is just not it's just hard I guess mm-hmm. but because yeah I don't even know I don't know, actually, the last time I watched a movie that was a full-out comedy, like a new movie that was just funny. Mm-hmm. I don't watch that many new movies, but... Yeah, I don't really watch too many new movies out there, but I think that's the problem with the way that the movie industry has gone, is like those com- those mid-budget comedies just aren't profitable enough to like make anymore. Yeah. Because like they want them to either be blockbusters or like they can get away with being like independent because it'll give them you know that prestige and the board buzz and if it's anything in between it's like we're not gonna make it yeah and so that's why I think a lot of these creators are like doing like Netflix um, movies like Netflix is like willing to pay for them because they need content I think Judd Apatow's new movie is gonna be on Netflix I think it yeah. comes out this week or something oh, I forgot okay. what it was called and all that stuff because I just think that those movies just don't make enough to justify their budget um, although it seems romantic comedies are kind of on the rise but that's also on yeah, I think Netflix yeah it's still like a Netflix Hulu like they're like all that stuff cause I, like those movies are like they're not super cheap they're not like micro budget like independent movies like maybe five million dollars but they're not like blockbusters that cost like two hundred million dollars they cost like thirty or fifty because peop- most of the salary is just like the star's salary because they need the big names to draw people. Mm-hmm. But most people... I guess a lot of people watch probably these days even more. They watch comedy for comfort. And when you have... If you're going to pick a funny thing that you want to watch and feel comforted by and you have like the world of movies at your fingertips... Yeah, I think that's... You might pick, you know, a... Cl- something that you've already seen yeah I think that's sort of like the the next I wouldn't say issue I think like it's for me it feels like it's always it's always been a thing but just like the choice paralyzation like I just feel like I have so much choice that I just Ugh, end up yeah. not doing anything so you know because I have you know my three or four subscription services and all the content they offer and then it's like, what am I watching today? It's like, nothing. Because nothing sounds interesting, but also 20 things do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like, usually I try to watch one thing at a time. I usually have, have been better at that lately with everything. Like, playing one game at a time or one watching one show at a time. Um, but just sort of like, oh, I can watch. Oh, it's like, this is out. Oh, this is out. Oh, this is out. Oh, what's on this one? oh, why am I switching services? Like, I found something I wanted to watch on Netflix. Let me just check on this other one. It's like, oh, no, I don't. Now I just feel like there's too much. Yeah. Um, 
so I don't know. Obviously, I could just cancel one of my subscription services, but then I get the, oh, I wish I still had that. Um, because I want to watch this right now. Yeah, they'll come out with some uh, show. But yeah, I think that's just generally been an issue. And I think another problem is, is like the, I wouldn't, I don't even know, like the, I guess it's not like a new phenomena, but like it's definitely something that's more problematic is like the whole multiverse connected universes thing. Like that's sort of why I've fallen off like Star Wars and Marvel stuff because I'm just not interested in watching 30 things to just keep up with the whole, you know, situation. Um, So I think that's sort of why I've steered towards anime because it's a lot of standalone like I can watch a show I'm like oh I don't have to watch anything else it's like once I'm done with this I'm done with this there's no like follow this character here this character there to pick up where this season left off watch like four shows in between season two and three and then I'll watch season three I'm like what what just happened like because you missed so many things I feel like this this whole thing with Star Wars like the Mandalorian season three is going to come out probably in a few months but if no one watched like the Boba Fett stuff they're gonna be like what's going on like I guess if that's what you want that's fine but I don't want to have to watch everything especially if it's like not good or just boring it's just like yeah you don't want to feel like a homework assignment yeah that's kind of what it starts to feel like you're like oh now I'm forced to watch this stuff because if I don't they have no idea what's going on yeah yeah, they've been exploring that world for a while. There's probably only so many. Yeah, I mean, it works for, like, Marvel. and I mean, it works for that stuff. Like, it makes sense. Like, I'm not mad that they're doing it, but I'm just like, okay, I, just, I guess this isn't for me anymore. Like, I'm just not going to invest that much time in stuff, especially since a lot of that stuff isn't, like, spectacular. Like, none of it's bad, but most of it just sort of, like, you guys are just playing it so safe. Like, I don't really... I was bummed at the... At the Oscars, they kept doing these, like, little segments where they had, like, had, I'm guessing on social media, did, like, a survey of, like, the top five best movie moments of all time. Like, they do the mm-hmm. top five most cheer-worthy moments or the top five such and such. And they were all, almost all Marvel movies. And I was like, out of all the movies in the world, like, three mm-hmm. of the top five are well, that's like what happens superhero when you put it on Twitter. Yeah. Um, that, that's what's going to happen. I guess. Their, their movies and they can seem like they're more important than they are. Like to say that Marvel movies that have been out for 15 years have the top three movie moments ever. Like recency bias is typically always a thing. But when it's like that, it's like, yeah, that poll is clearly skewed. Doesn't even matter. We're gonna throw it in the trash. Um, like. I'm not on Twitter anymore, but year a, a couple years ago, someone posted on Twitter that they didn't know that that torn song by Natalie and Brulia was a cover. Was a cover, mm-hmm. and I commented on it with like a joke about a lyric or something. Mm-hmm. And it was a you know there weren't that many comments on the post, yeah. but then later in the day, my friend texted me. Like, you're famous. And I was like, what are you talking about? And it was some, like, I don't know, Vulture or some other internet mm-hmm. website. And the title was like, everybody's, there's like an uproar about Natalie and Brulia's torn 
song or like, mm. you know, everybody's talking about this and my tweet made it. But I was like, that's such a skewed way of saying it because it yeah, was every, like every, maybe everybody's like upset about torrents. Like you, really, like you see like the actual like comments is like fifty people. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's like fifty people, and it's no no one's real upset about it. It was just like a Twitter comment. I think they do that a lot. Like there's you know you'll click on something like outrage about this person being canceled or something, and it's really just. And it's usually like the, the internet article, Yeah, usually the article doesn't have anything to do with the headline anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I clicked on a lot of clickbait um, after the Oscar slap. <laughs> I feel mm-hmm. like a little whiplash from it. <laughs> That's what Chris Rock was feeling, too. <laughs> yeah, I got slapped by the clickbait. But yeah, so... Yeah, I guess that's the thing. is like those Marvel movies, that's like another thing. Like, there's people that are in that wheelhouse that will just watch anything that Marvel puts out because they're like, this, they're doing what I want them to do. Or, or it's like a family th- thing, you know, like a tradition. Yeah. Um, and so, because everybody's got their own thing because I'm sure like there's sci-fi authors, you know, that are more prolific that have all those series. I'm sure that there's a, obviously there is because Brandon Sanderson just made like a million bajillion dollars on Kickstarter for a new series he wrote during the pandemic. Like it's the most backed Kickstarter ever. That he made. And like, what did what did he write before? He wrote like a bunch of like he wrote like like the Mistborn series. He does a lot of like a lot of sci-fi fantasy. Oh okay. Um, he's just like I don't even know. Like he doesn't sleep because it seems like he just has like a new series out like yesterday because he wrote a whole series during the pandemic. He's like, hey, I wrote a series during the pandemic. I'm putting on Kickstarter, Ugh. and then he's like got like forty million dollars from it. I hate when I hear about people being productive during the pandemic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's easier for him to be productive when, like, he probably already has millions. Yeah. And, like, his day job is to just write. Like, that's, like, your side gig. That's kind true. Kind of. That's true. So, it's... I don't know. I wouldn't compare the two. That's him, let's see him to be a librarian and see how he does. <laughs> let's put him at the reference desk and yeah. see how prolific he is. Mm-hmm. Is everything, have you got any spring plans? Anything going um, on? Well, um, I'm continuing to do my new parent outreach. So if you're having a baby, um, email me or come into the library or um, fill out the form on the website. and um, I'll deliver material to you and pick up material to you for the first year after baby comes home. And we're gearing up for our um, books on the lake. So we should have another podcast maybe where we talk more about that. But tickets for that will be on sale online on mm-hmm. April 7th. And if you um, don't feel savvy enough online, you can come into the library and we'll help you out. Although if you're listening to a podcast, you've got the skills to buy a ticket online as well. Mm-hmm. Should be good. Yeah. And then summer reading is kind of right around the corner. Oh, yeah. That'll be here before you know it. It always is here before we know it. So that'll be something. Starts in Oceans June. of possibilities. Mm-hmm. So we'll look out for all the programs we'll have coming up in the summer. Lots of activities, especially for kids. Be a lot of teen stuff. I'm sure there'll be some adult stuff. But I don't do adult stuff. So. Yeah, we're going to do a 
adult summer reading as well. We'll probably we'll have a bingo card again. And maybe I'll draw some waterfowl. <laughs> Oceans of possibility. Mm-hmm. I'll draw some I'll draw some more birds. That's what my spring will be. You can draw some fish. I could. Or some sea creatures. I'd have to get a book about that. I'm sure you could. I mean, there's probably like bird-like animals in the water. Yeah. Like flying fish or stingrays. They're like Oh yeah, there's those like, flying fish. Yeah. Yeah, and stingrays and manta rays, they have like kind of like wings. Mhm. And stuff. Oh, and then of course the central branch will be well, the woods branch will be reopening. Yeah, we don't have an official date, but it looks like it's going to be on track for May. Mm-hmm. May-ish, we'll say. Uh, people obviously will get notified via the email, and I'm sure there'll be some news story about a reopening. But mm-hmm. while that's happening, Central is going to close for a, a renovation also. So Central will be closed, but Woods and Ewald will be open. And we'll have a, um, an annex branch on Kirchival that'll be sort of a small um, place where you can pick up holds and tools and yeah, I'm not sure pop- what else. Maybe yeah, popular materials. Yeah. Um, that's still sort of being finalized, but definitely seems like it will be like a place to pick up holds. And certainly drop off stuff. Mm-hmm. So if Yep. So keep a lookout for that find out exactly where that is. It is somewhere on the hill. Is that what it's called? Is that one called the hill? Or is that the village? It's the hill. Okay. There's just too many of these these things that the gross point terminology that I'm not I don't know. It's like yeah. there's the hill, there's the village, there's this, there's that. It's like which one's which? I don't right. I don't know. Is that it's all really, uncurchable. Yeah. Is it really on a hill? Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's a sli- it's on the slight incline. <laughs> the inclines. The incline that might have been a cool name for it. <laughs> Um, Maybe that's what we'll name the annex branch. Inclined. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. That's what yeah. we should rename the podcast. <laughs> yes, we'll rename the podcast. Mm-mm. Maybe down the road. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we'll be back hopefully sooner. I think we're going to Yeah, we'll try, try to, to check back in sooner. Check back in maybe... In April. Well, yes, definitely April. So maybe mid-April we'll get on there tell you everything because by that point the newsletter will be finalized and you can sort of talk about the programs that are actually happening get some hype for that books on the lake all that fun stuff coming up so 